All right, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, dude. Truly. And I mean that more this week, perhaps than any other week this year, RE, the Socceroos are through to the World Cup. And, you know, we wish them all the best on their journey to Qatar. It would be remiss of me not to quickly promote my own journey. I'm not going as far as Qatar, but I am flying to Perth, and that's pretty fucking far too. So I'd just like to ever so briefly promote my tour. This weekend, I will be in Adelaide, Perth, and Canberra, June 17, 18, and 19. Come along. The only time I'll be touring those cities this year. So if you'd like to come, now is your opportunity. This weekend, Perth, Adelaide, and Canberra. And then I have encore shows in Sydney, June 24, and Melbourne, July 1st. And you can get all of those tickets via the link in my Instagram bio, dude. Now, last week, did I promote the aforementioned dates and forget to put the ticket link for Sydney and Melbourne in my bio? Yeah, dude, I did, okay? To those people who are ravenously messaging me at 6.30 in the morning, I apologize, okay? One of the shows wasn't even 100% locked in, and I recklessly promoted it on the podcast uh, without even confirmation from the venue. So I apologize for that, but all the shows are locked in now. I was just waiting on an email. We got it. All the ticket links are in the Instagram bio of Billy Darcy, okay? Local comedian and notorious 6 out of 10 Billy Darcy. He's on tour and you can get those tickets at his Instagram bio, okay? And I apologize for referring to myself in the third person. Uh, This is a pretty loose promise that it won't happen again. So we'll see how we go. But the Socceroos are through to the fucking World Cup, dude. And I think I'll speak on behalf of all casual football fans in this country when I say... Thank the Lord himself, okay? As a casual football fan in Australia, there's very few things that get me out of bed. Number one would be Australia playing in the World Cup. Number two would probably be Australia playing in the Olympics. And number three would be to see Sam Kerr do literally anything, including and not limited to just tying up her shoelace, Okay, Sam Kerr is a genuine superstar, and if they broadcast her having a cup of tea on Channel 10, I personally would tune in, and I'd probably invite around a few friends. Okay, so that's that's what we're looking at here, and the reality is that if Australia doesn't make the World Cup in 2022, that's more or less the death of the round ball game in this great nation. Okay, because when I was six years old, we didn't make the World Cup. It wasn't something Australia did. The World Cup was for countries that weren't discovered like 73 years ago, you know, or colonized, I should say. You know, the World Cup was was for countries that had the little asterisks above the A, you know. It was for cool countries with, with, with you know, excellent cuisine. It wasn't for this, this new colonial country with no real discernible cuisine whatsoever outside of maybe three or four iconic pub meals that we cherish so dearly. But now we've got a taste for it, okay? You're telling me that every four years I'm not going to the World Cup, okay? I'm a middle-class white man and the World Cup is now on my list of things I expect to be ready when I'm fucking keen for it, okay? 
And, you know, once again, speaking on behalf of the casual football fan, no Australian casual football fan is setting their alarms to get up and watch the Asian Cup at 3 a.m. I'll tell you that for free. Oh, Australia plays fucking, I was going to say Honduras, but that's South America. Look, this is only going to get more racist the further I go on with it because my geography is not great, okay? But I swear to God, I've got a heart of gold and I'm just not that into the Asian Cup when it comes to football, okay? No one wants to see Australia play Uzbekistan at 2 a.m. There you go. Nailed the reference, okay? Uh, And Uzbekistan are in the Asian Cup, okay? If anyone was thinking there was some sort of a breakaway Middle Eastern Cup, you are mistaken, okay? So no one wants to watch the Asian Cup. We don't make the World Cup. I mean, really, you're losing a shitload of casuals like me. The A-League is reportedly still operational. I personally haven't seen or heard from that alleged league in about six years. Uh, Some absolute genius at the FFA signed an exclusive broadcast deal with Paramount Plus uh, to have the A-League broadcast on there. So that's what I would do if I had a competition that was already barely relevant in this country. I'd put it on Australia's seventh favorite streaming platform. That's what I'd do to boost numbers, you know? I truly, apart from like Toy Story 4, I truly don't understand what Paramount Plus has to offer. Paramount Plus came into the game swinging in from the trees with the outrageous claim that they would in fact be streaming feature films on their streaming service, okay? And I think someone at Paramount Plus must have been under the impression that Netflix and Stan and Binge and Apple TV and Disney Plus and anything else in there didn't have access to movies. And don't tell me you've got the hottest new movies in town because these days, you know, this is how cinema works in 2022. You've got Spider-Man 73 in the cinemas and that's in there for three business days and then it's straight on to Disney+. Plus. No fuss, no muss, you know? So don't come in swinging around town, Paramount+, Plus, bragging that you've got Spy Kids 2 ready to watch now and then sign an exclusive deal with the A-League, okay? This is not how you make moves in the streaming game, let me tell you. So the A-League is on life support, the Asian Cup is boring and irrelevant and on at 2am in the morning, and the last lifeblood of male soccer in this nation, yes, I'll call it soccer, as stated, I'm a casual fan, okay? The last lifeblood is the every four-year occurrence of the World Cup, okay? And now we've got something to get up for in the middle of the night, you know? Any chance you get to bloody put on a bit of green and gold zinc in your own living room and carry on like it's not a fucking Tuesday is an absolute gift. And that is exactly what we received this morning, courtesy of Australian substitute goalkeeper, Andrew Redmayne, okay? So congratulations to the lads. Football lives on in this country. And I look forward to us attempting to get out of the group stage uh, later on this year, okay? Maka was just in the kitchen saying, we've got no chance of getting out of our group stage. Last time I checked, we were having chicken and vegetables for dinner and not a big old serving of negativity, Maka. So you can take that chat and you can go hang out with your Peruvian mates because they're, they're, they've got about the same amount of energy and morale as fucking Maka does right now. And they didn't even make the cup, Okay. So whether we make it out of the group stage or not, 
I personally have always felt is pretty irrelevant, okay? Because it's about getting to the dance. It's just about participating, you know? So looking forward to the World Cup, and it's just going to be so electric. The, the World Cup is without a doubt the greatest sporting event on the planet, and I'm including the Olympics, okay? Let's be honest. The Olympics is... It's cool, okay? It's cool because you've never... It's your only opportunity, really, to lay eyes on some of these sports. The Olympics is, is doing a whole lot of shit that you're not going to find on KO on your regular week. Whereas the World Cup, I mean, I could go down 20 metres down the road right now, watch about 45 different soccer teams have their afternoon practice. I go on YouTube, but whatever, KO. We're just inundated with football, but there's something about it. When you got, you know, Peru playing Croatia for all the marbles. And you know that given the opportunity, both, both nations would cause an all-in brawl on the pitch if it came to it. Like there's just, there's a heightened sense of urgency with the World Cup. But anyway, plenty going on this week. Plenty going on. Dude, out the gate, how's this? So just without any warning whatsoever, I'm walking along on Friday, maybe Thursday. Let's say Friday. Just no warning whatsoever. I'm on Spotify, you know, pumping myself up, keeping myself chill. Whatever, whatever mood I'm, I'm in, Spotify has the relevant playlist. So I'm, I'm bumping around town on a walk. Big old notification. And usually you get a Spotify notification and it's like, hey, you know, this guy you went to high school with just released an acoustic album. And you think, yeah, I already know Deb left him. You know, I don't need to listen to this on a weekday. I've got stuff to do and places to be. But this day, I get a Spotify notification. Avril Lavigne has released a cover of Breakaway by Kelly Clarkson. Now, this is a lot to take in, okay? If you're not familiar with the song Breakaway by Kelly Clarkson, congratulations. You've never experienced adversity in your life, okay? There is very few things in this world, and I do believe there has been some scientific uh, research done on this. There are very few things in this world that can't be pushed through, bulldozed over, or just outright defeated with Breakaway by Kelly Clarkson playing, okay? It's a rev up like we've not seen before. Sometimes you're just driving along, minding your own business, then Breakaway by Kelly Clarkson comes on. Next thing you know, you're doing about 170 through a school zone at 3.15 p.m. Going, holy shit, when did I start sweating? It's the middle of June, you know? Kelly just has a way of unlocking the underdog within all of us and, and letting them out, you know? She has a way of taking, taking the small person within you and making them feel big. And that's, that's Kelly Clarkson for you. She's, she's an artist. She's an icon. I mean, you could argue she's a motivational speaker. I mean, the way, the way Kelly Clarkson has got me out of a jam over the years is just has to be seen to be believed. Whereas now we've got Avril Lavigne, my, one of my other favorite female artists. In fact, Avril Lavigne is my favorite female artist. And she's, she's put out this absolute, this ripping cover. And a lot of people don't know that Avril Lavigne actually wrote Breakaway years ago, but she gave it away. And listening to her cover it, 20 years later, you kind of understand why. Firstly, it's just not really Avril's vibe at all. 
You know, you got Breakaway where Kelly's singing away. She's like, God, Kelly, Kelly delivers it in, in such a way it doesn't seem lame. But, you know, Kelly's singing away where she's like, I'll spread my wings and I'll learn how to fly. And when those words come out of Kelly Clarkson's mouth, you think, that's exactly what I'm going to do, Kelly. Okay? You think, I'm so sick of the doubters holding me back. It's about time I, Billy Darcy, spread my wings and then subsequently learned how to fucking use them, dude. Okay? Whereas, you know, Avril's singing away and, you know, Avril's voice is obviously unbelievable. Okay? I don't think anyone's too surprised at that. But it's not really her vibe, is it? You know, it's, it's almost a bit too wholesome for our Avril. I mean, Avril's vibe isn't so much like... Like, I think that was kind of the issue with a couple of Avril's later albums was it got a little bit... It got a little bit too Kelly K, you know? Stay in your lane. She had, Avril had that one, Head Above Water, where it was, it was about, as the title would suggest, getting your head above water. And here's the thing, what I want to hear from Avril, Avril is more like the, you know, the classics where she's like, you broke up with me 15 years ago, we casually dated for two months, and guess what? I still want to stomp on your fucking throat, okay? That's a bit more early 2000s Avril for me. Grudges, you know, dragging blokes who don't deserve it, just carrying on. That's more the Avril we know and love. And hearing Avril sing this, this Kelly Clarkson classic, even though she did in fact write it, uh, you know, it didn't really fit the bill. And this honestly, it kind of rattled me for about, if you think I didn't spend upwards of 25 minutes thinking about this on Friday afternoon, just listening to this song on repeat, then, then you have gravely overestimated my social calendar, my friend. I'll tell you that for free right now. But I got to say, it just goes to show stay in your lane. The fact that 16-year-old Avril Lavigne had, firstly, had the wherewithal to write such a banger to begin with, okay? Now, let me tell you, if I, if I happen to find the time to pen something as iconic as Breakaway by Kelly Clarkson, I'm not giving that song away, okay? I don't care if everyone thinks I'm the, I'm the most, the, the stupidest choice in the world to sing that thing. Give me an acoustic guitar and three and a half minutes of your time, Okay? Because I'm going to reach inside your soul and find the warrior within. That's what Kelly Clarkson does. But the fact that Avril Lavigne at 16 years old could write such a banger and then have the fucking self-awareness to be like, actually, this isn't really my vibe. I was blown away by that. When I found out Avril Lavigne wrote Breakaway, I was legitimately rattled to the core. You know, it's like when... It's like two years ago, I was listening to the kid Leroy going, fuck, this, this kid's pretty sharp, huh? This kid's got a bit going on. Let me look into him. Oh, wow, he's 15. Okay. Okay. Sick. So this 15-year-old child is legitimately more talented and successful than I will ever be. And I'm 12 years older than him. And also, if I'm being completely honest with me, myself, and I, if I was gun to my head, I would have to cop to the fact that I do, in a way, look up to 16-year-old Kid Leroy, okay? And this is just one of those things you have to wrap your head around in this life when you are not a freakishly talented teenager. You know, it's like Olivia Rodrigo wins a Grammy at 17. You know, some Samoan kid runs on for the Rabbitohs at 16. It's intimidating, okay? It's intimidating. So the fact that Avril was able to to just knock back 
such a banger that she personally wrote at the age of 16. I mean, I don't even really know how to fucking make a reservation at like a fancy restaurant, you know? Like if, if, if there's a website and they say sort of book here, I'll, I'll tackle that. I'll, I'll click away and, and we'll get into it. But if there's not really a user-friendly website, I'm rocking up on the night and I'm hoping for the best, okay? At 27. Meanwhile, the kid Leroy has got a hit with Justin Bieber, okay? So I don't know I don't know who is sort of it seems like God is being a little bit reckless up there. You know, he's got bloody an extra 17 servings of talent for the kid Leroy, and then the next 16 people have to miss out. Now I'll put my hand up. Obviously, I was born a straight white male in 2022 with a double serving of charisma. So I haven't come out too badly, have I? But still, it's intimidating to learn that freaking Avril's doing this at 16. The Kid Leroy's playing arenas at 16. Billy Darcy's trying to work out how to get a table for three at Frank's French Kitchen. So, you know, we've all got our individual paths in this life. And some of them are more impressive than others. But Avril's got a breakaway cover out. And I just absolutely loved it. But then was also like, this so isn't Avril at all. And I hope that was worth sharing because I thought that should have gone for about four minutes and I appear to have spoken about Avril covering Kelly Clarkson for a gentleman's nine. So, you know, Billy Darcy, good luck with the edit on that one. But anyway, let's crack into the week that was. So here's the deal. 73-time Pelican of the Week, Macca. Now, we haven't heard a lot from Macca recently because I've been away a lot on the weekends. Macca's been, you know, painting away. Hasn't been a lot of reckless behavior. Uh, Not really since he tried to poison me with the spag bowl incident about two months ago, where Macca went out of his way to try and get me to eat spaghetti bolognese that he knew for a fact was actually off. Okay? So this week was something, I don't want to say as selfish as the spag bowl incident, but of that ilk. Okay? So... You know, Mac is probably the most sensible one in the house, if you can wrap your head around that. Uh, Just because I am sort of a self-obsessed 11-year-old and Adzi just isn't really here that much because he has a legitimate real girlfriend. So that leaves Macca on the podium as the most mature and sensible person in this house. So the other night, we're all going to bed at about, I want to say a gentleman's 10, 15. Macca says, sorry, boys, I'm going to have to put the dryer on because I need clothes for work tomorrow and I just don't have anything dry. And we go, what, your work uniform's not dry? I go, don't you just wash them all at the start of the week? He goes, no, no, I just need a pair of undies. So Macca puts on the dryer at, a, at 10, 15 p.m. for one pair of undies, okay? Now, I'll add some context into what is, on the surface, one of the more selfish and reckless acts we've seen in our time here at the new apartment. Now, firstly, as stated previously, our dryer has such poor environmental standards, you know, the green star rating or whatever. It's a half star energy rating, our dryer. Okay, last time we turned this thing on, the suburb behind us had a full-blown blackout for about two hours. Okay, so it's extremely expensive to run and you may as well, if you're going to turn on our dryer, you may as well just save yourself a bit of time and go choke out a local seal as well, okay? Because this thing is not environmentally friendly. Now, Macca 
hasn't notoriously hated the environment previously, but this sort of reckless behavior would lead me to think that he does in fact support fossil fuels. Okay. But here's the other thing. So firstly, if, if me or Adzi tried to put on the dryer for just one pair of undies and also at about 10 PM, I reckon you just, I'd be standing there and then I'd feel my feet just leave the ground as Maka sort of lifted me by my throat and proceeded to sort of choke me out and or physically threaten me, okay? We all know, we all knew this is just a ridiculous concept and if we tried to dry just one pair of undies, the social consequences in the unit would have been out of this world, okay? We're looking at a four or five day strop from Maka after an incident such as that. But I will say this. And the other thing is, just to just a bit more context, the laundry is in between our three bedrooms in the apartment. Okay, my bedroom is about a meter square. You can't swing a cat in this thing. My bedroom is so small that multiple people have audibly laughed just by opening the door and looking at it. Okay, that's how small my room is. This is a genuine two-bedroom apartment. I don't know how we've got three in here, but we do. But basically, if you turn the dryer on, everyone can hear this thing, okay? No one's safe. You're not getting a wink of sleep with this thing on. So on the surface, one of the more selfish acts we've seen from Macca. Context for this, though, the night before, Macca was trying to get to sleep while me and Adzi watched Star Wars uh, with the volume on our enormous TV at about 85 out of a possible 100, uh, you know, volume bars or whatever you call it, you know, uh, sound sound or whatever. You know what I mean? The volume was on 85. And now here's the thing. Macca was trying to get to sleep and was texting us to turn it down. And then was also, you know, I can only imagine growing more furious by the second in his room. So Mac is growing furious in his room. Me and Adzi are not responding to his text messages. And here's the thing was me and Adzi were actually unconscious on the couch. Okay. We had both passed out just so the TV's blasting at about 90 with Star Wars episode six playing while Macca grows more and more furious in his room, thinking we're not responding to his text messages, not knowing that we are in fact uh, blacked out. So this is created an, an environment of tension at the lad pad. And I think this undies incident was the boil over. Okay. So Maka is Pelican of the Week. Um, I can't speak for Adzi. I personally didn't get to sleep that night until 4 a.m. minimum. Okay, I didn't look at the clock and that is unsubstantiated, but I'm telling you, uh, that's, that's my ballpark. Might have been 10.30, felt like 4 a.m. And to be honest, the, the vibe at the pad has not been the same since. Tensions are high. You know, Maka, uh, Maka's all right, actually, but you know, it's divided the pad, okay? There's a genuine line in the sand between me and Adzi and Maka. Maka has been whispering threats to me as I walk past in the hallway. And it's a pretty tiny hallway, so, you know, they're hard to miss. So the lad pad is in disarray. Uh, we're at sixes and sevens. We are feuding, warring, etc. And I don't really see a resolution coming anytime soon. But yeah, Maka, just to confirm, 10.30 p.m., one pair of undies, full cycle of the dryer okay what happened to just they'll dry on you mate you know they'll dry on you what happened to that all right now the weekend that was 
Went up to Newcastle to do some gigs. Not part of my tour, just something to nibble on, you know. Um, just booked up every weekend for the foreseeable future because, you know, stand-up has returned. I'm a touring comedian, so get out there and get some work done, Bill, you piece of shit. So out and about. Now, it is two hours flat from my house to the Newcastle Comedy Club. Now, some absolute legend rolled a semi-trailer on the Mooney Mooney Bridge, causing some of the worst traffic I personally have ever seen. Okay, it took me three and a half hours to get to Newcastle. I almost missed my spot and I was fucking headlining. Like, Jesus Christ, dude. And it's so stressful when you're like, oh man, this is so touch and go if I'm going to make this gig. And you're still like an hour and a half away. <laughs> I was just doing 40Ks an hour for about 45 minutes in like 120 zone. I mean, come on. Come on, lads. Well, let's just sort it out. Anyway, apart from the, the selfishness of said truck driver, I didn't check on his health, but God bless him. I hope he's okay. Got there finally, uh, just to get absolutely heckled into next week by the good people of Newcastle. Uh, first night, I had this old lady who was just relentless, okay? Because both nights, the shows were so sick, but I think by the time I got on, the crowd was like pretty hammered. So the first night, this old lady, I'm doing this bit about taking, uh, going into work, if you're like working an office job, going in with like a, a cold or going in while sick. And it's this joke about, you know, when you're hungover and when you're sick, you know, pretty harmless joke, you would think. Not too many people would describe my bit about going into work with a cold as edgy, okay? But one old lady, she, uh, she thought it was particularly riveting. She, I was like, you go in with a cold and she goes, you shouldn't go into work with a cold. You'll spread germs. And I go, yep, you're right. And she goes, no, seriously, you shouldn't do it. It's safer to not go in if you're sick because you'll get your fellow workers sick. She's like full-blown serious. Not even laughing at all. I'm going along with her because she's legitimately 79 years old. Okay? If some 22-year-old guy said this to me, I've broken a chair over his head at this point. Okay? But this chick's 79, so I'm obviously like, I don't know what sort of weird shit she saw in the 80s that she's got rolling around in her brain that could potentially be blocking her from having legitimate, you know, logical thoughts. So she's like, you know, we got Nan going nuts in the second row. She's like, it's unsafe. You'll take germs in. So now I'm kind of like teeing off on her, but in like a really PG way. I would describe it as, as like if healthy Harold was disarming a heckler. That was kind of my vibe. I was just trying to get her to shut the fuck up in the most polite way possible. It was quite frustrating. And, you know, at one point I was like, it would be safer to not go in, wouldn't it? And she's like, yeah, it would be safer. And I'm like, well, it wouldn't be funnier though, would it? So shut up, Gladys, okay? Jesus Christ. This is like my second joke as well, and I'm doing 20 minutes. So I can't afford to get in the weeds with some chick riddled with dementia two minutes into my 20, you know? And that's what happened. I think I barely got through any material. Then the next night, there's this bloke in the front row who's just chatting through me. Just chatting through me, okay? God bless him, you know? I've driven up from Sydney with prepared material. This piece of shit chucked on a leopard print shirt and left the house. Why wouldn't he think that what he has to say is more worthwhile than me, okay? So I'm sort of letting it go, but 
Pat or Pat was hosting. He already told me this guy's just talking away in the front row and no one else can hear it. So I go, I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. And then I go, mate, what the fuck? You know, like it's so disrespectful. Guy's just on his phone with his girlfriend and I don't want to profile anyone, but his girlfriend had a huge butterfly tattooed to her chest. Okay. Now I don't, I don't know much about tattoos. I don't know much about the mythical origins of the butterfly, but I don't think there's a traditional meaning for a butterfly tattooed on your tits that, you know, is representative of being respectful in group settings. You know, it's, I don't think it's the, uh, the spirit animal for, for being courteous. I'll put it that way. So I was getting a vibe between this guy's leopard print shirt and his Pharrell hat and this chick's legitimate tit tattoo uh, that they were perhaps not the most respectful couple the world has ever seen. And so I said, mate, what's doing? Like, is there an issue on your phone? Like, what the hell? And he goes, oh, sorry, mate. We're just ordering some food for after the show. We're just trying to decide what to have. I don't know if you've ever tried to chase your dreams while some guy orders Chinese food in front of you, but it is particularly unsettling, okay? I'm freaking trying my best headlining this club, and this guy's trying to decide between satay chicken and spring rolls as an entree, okay? So this is one of the more... He wasn't heckling me. That was the thing. It was like I wasn't even in the room, you know? It was like worse than heckling. If he had broken a bottle over my head, I think it would have been more respectful than him just just very earnestly discussing with his girlfriend how many entrees they should get from the local Chinese restaurant. They're ordering the Uber Eats now, so it's like there when they get home, you know? Just not even acknowledging I'm there. <laughs> just like, just like <laughs> this guy's act. If it's between waiting an extra seven minutes for my Mushu pork to arrive at home and actually fucking listening to this stupid cunt from Sydney do stand-up comedy... I'd much rather just sort out the Chinese food now. I mean, we've not seen disrespect like it, okay? So that was, that was the second night. And uh, yeah, just a real rough and ready set. Luckily, this guy, uh, this guy it, with the old lady, I was being very careful when I teed off on her because, you know, I don't want to give the old duck like a heart attack or some shit, you know? You don't want to say, you get too aggressive with a genuine nan, and, and put her in the grave. You know, I could have given her a COVID handshake after the show, hoping maybe I'll pick something up during the week. But, but yeah, you don't want to get into the old duck too much. Whereas this Pharrell guy, this was a different kettle of fish because I was like teeing off on him because like he just looked like, he looked like and was being a piece of shit. But then I was thinking there's a genuine chance this guy could want to throw hands after the show. So I was teeing off on him in... I was being respectful towards him out of fear and I was being respectful towards the old lady out of respect for her and really just her sheer amount of time vertical on this planet. I was pretty impressed with the old gal. So different strokes for different folks, horses for courses, etc. Went to the pub uh, up in Newey, went to the Merriweather Hotel, which is an absolute shithole, but it's in a sensational location. And this was pretty funny. I enjoyed this one. So... I was hanging out with Pat and uh, our mate Milos, and Milos has dropped a glass, okay? Now, it's not the wildest thing ever, you know? I'm ashamed to say that I was at the table when the glass shattered, and I did not put up my hand and yell, taxi, or failing that Uber, you know? Don't, okay, I'll let that, <laughs> if some guy wants to say taxi when a glass shatters at the table, 
I'm I'm almost at the point where I'm letting that go, even though it is really, without a doubt, the lamest thing imaginable. Now, if some guy yells out Uber or failing that Ola and then gives me a smile, like, get it, because no one catches taxis anymore. Now we've got a second glass breaking and it's not on the floor, it's over your head. Okay? If, if I see some piece of shit ever say Uber again when a glass breaks and then turn around with this shit-eating grin like they've just reinvented the wheel, we're going to have problems, okay? But anyway, not in Newcastle, you know? I resisted the urge to be an absolute fuckwit and as did the patrons around me. So good on the people of the Steel City. So anyway, the glass shatters. And here's the thing, the glass, to say this glass shattered would be the grossest understatement of 2022. It fell, it did fall from like a high, you know, bar style table, but this glass exploded on impact. It was like it turned into the most amount of pieces of glass it possibly could have. I've never seen it. It just, it, it was like into dust. Okay. And I go, Jesus Christ, you know me with my electric bands. I, I go, Jesus Christ, I've never seen a glass shatter like that. Okay. That's, that's some of the electric bands I often pull out at the pub and uh, when I'm with the lads. So I go, Jesus Christ, I've never seen a glass explode like that. And there's this 60 year old bloke next to me. And he goes, he goes, you know why they do that, don't you? And I go, no, he goes, <laughs> he goes, they're designed to shatter like that. So you can't pick them up and give some bloke the old face shredder. And then starts going like that, like he's glassing someone in the face. <laughs> the old face shredder. Is there anything better? You know, welcome to the Steel City, where <laughs> our glasses are rigged to explode so they can't be used as ad hoc weapons. Okay? You know, that's if the glass shatters on the ground. Here's hoping half the beer garden doesn't pull out a fucking Glock at the noise of the impact, but failing that, should things kick off, we don't want them to be able to pick up said glass and use it as a weapon to cut up their opponent's face. My God. Do you ever just hear some like 67-year-old bloke casually mention something and then you think, oh, wow, I would not have done well in the 80s. You know, this guy's like, so you can't give some bloke the old face shredder. He talked about the old face shredder like he was talking about his neighbor's dog or something, you know? He was like, oh, that's, that's, you know, that's Rover next door. Yeah, not a bad thing, you know? Get Rover, get the old face shredder, go for a walk, you know? Look out for anyone. It, it was so casual. And you just, the way he said face shredder, I was like, oh, wow, I would have died in 1983, okay? I'm a lippy six out of 10 who can't throw hands. Not going to make it through the 90s, Bill. Or more likely the 80s. I might have done okay in the 90s. But I tell you what, wow. Love that Newcastle lingo, the old face shredder. And, I, and then plot twist, after my show on Saturday, um, I got free tickets to go see Jim Jeffries because uh, my mate Amos Gill was opening for him. And he was playing, you know, Jim, once again, the week before we had Kid Leroy and Billy Darcy playing Melbourne. This week we had Billy Darcy and Jim Jeffries playing Newcastle. I mean... Something about icons, they want to line up their tour schedule with me, possibly in a, in a vain attempt to hang out later. Uh, possibly a coincidence, it's not for me to say, okay? But I got to say, sickest seats, I gave like the lady the tickets that were on the door for me to the usher, and I said, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't know where I'm sitting. And we were so late, like 
me and my mate, like Jim Jeffries was already on stage and he had three openers and we missed them all, obviously, because I had my show. So I said, I'm so sorry, I don't know where I'm sitting. And like, we're walking to the front of this arena. It's like a 6,000 seater. And we're walking and we're, wa- and we're just still walking. I'm going, fuck, this is getting pretty good. We're in like the fifth row, I want to say, right in the middle as well. And there was, it was like, it must have been a row for comps because there was no one, there was like two other people in the whole row. So like 6,000 seater, me and my mate got the whole row to ourselves, middle of the fifth row. Jim Jeffries is up there fucking swinging wild. And it was really good. Really, really good. At one point, Jim Jeffries is just sitting on the edge of the stage and just like talking and just killing to like 6,000 people. And he's just sitting there with like his legs crossed. I would defy you to see a grown straight man sit with his legs crossed and command as much attention as Jim Jeffries did to 6,000 people. It was pretty fucking impressive. And the gear was good. I feel like Jim Jeffries is, is doing it well. Like he's still very much Jim Jeffries, but it's kind of just, you know, like it, it, it's more progressive than his stuff was 10 years ago. And I think that's deliberate, you know, like he, he's sort of, he's growing with the times, the material's growing with it. And because I've been a Jim Jeffries fan since the start, but I think there's heaps of shit he said like 12 years ago that definitely wouldn't fly now. And, uh, but I saw his new hour, it's so good. It's like super relevant. Like he's got like, you know, he's talking about cultural issues and whatnot. And then there's just some great stories in there. He's got like a 12 minute routine on rooting his wife which I found to be actually pretty tasteful. So plenty going on with Jim Jeffries. Really enjoyed it. Okay. Really enjoyed it. Okay. We've got some fun fears that have been sent in and there's some good ones this week. I know I say that every time. And also I know I, I know I often say what, it, you know, what a time it is to be alive truly. And then I say this week more than most. I know at this stage it's becoming almost laughable how often I think a week is particularly good to the point where it needs to be noted. But, you know, podcasts are hard to start and I'm just kind of a positive person. So that's all that is. Anyway, so the first fun fear this week, and this is a good one, uh, Instagram bios. You know, in a world where no one knows who they are, we are constantly forced to sum up who we authentically are in sort of two sentences or less. And it is most of the time an absolute car crash, okay? And, you know, people follow me on Instagram. I follow people on Instagram. This is something we can all see. And it's so interesting because a lot of the time people will have a private Instagram profile. So you can't see any of their photos, uh, you know, or or the relevant captions that went along with those, the banter in the comments. This is all stuff uh, that is off limits to you as someone who doesn't follow them and their private account. But you more often than not can see their Instagram bio and a lot of the time their Instagram bio is more revealing and embarrassing than any photo they've ever posted ever. So it is an interesting one. A lot of different types of bios. Uh, These are a few of my favorites and these are the ones that I would say I am most scared of as a fun for you. First one, and this this one is probably, you could argue the most terrifying. The scripture-based bio, you know, John book two, God will light the way. It's like, this is a, a sensational quote and I respect your faith, okay? 
But unfortunately, babe, I'm really just on your profile trying to work out if you are in fact single or not, okay? So unless you're a nun married to God, this information is actually quite unhelpful for me. So it's interesting. A lot of people, you know, I'd like to see the percentage of people who are religious without feeling the need to put in an aggressive Bible quote into their Instagram bio, okay? I'm not sure if this is something churches are pushing, you know, to their congregation. You know, I, I've never, you know, I grew up Catholic, still go to church on on Christmas and Easter, but, you know, not particularly religious these days. But I went to church my whole life, Catholic school, the whole deal. Uh, I, nev- I don't ever remember a priest signing off, you know. That was Matthew book 3, chapter 2. And if that one, you know, really stuck in your noggin, feel free to chuck that up on Tinder. Find some like-minded Christians who want to bang. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I find... I find anything on social media that's serious to be already quite uncomfortable. And then when you add in like the scripture vibe, it is extremely uncomfortable. It's just like some guy sitting there with a beer, but it's like Matthew chapter two, like if you open your heart to the Lord, he will provide. It's like, are you inferring that the Lord himself provided that Carlton draft in your profile picture? Because that is, you know, Firstly, that's a particularly long bow to draw. But secondly, mate, if your God is providing you with free schooners of Carlton Draft, you need to let me know when the next service is, brother, okay? Because I'm about to convert, huh? Huh? Love beers. Love Carlton Draft. I'm a lad. Love beers. Love the pub. Coolest guy ever. Often stay up past midnight on the weekends. Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah, scripture ones, super weird, dude. Super weird. The next one. This is also a serious one. I just can't, uh, anytime someone is taking themselves seriously, you better be Elon Musk because I don't like it. <laughs> it freaks me out, dude. And uh, this is a great one. The Instagram bio that is just just a straight up threat. This is, this is probably the most serious one you can get. You know, it would just be like Matthew Jackson, 21, Port, Port Macquarie. And just under that, don't get between me and my family and you and me will get along just fine. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> I was just going to invite you to this surprise birthday party for your cousin, but maybe don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know if this is the sort of energy we want at your cousin's 21st, mate, you know? Oh my God, just the... I always think, and it's very much a me against the world type energy. You know, it's very much a us against them, everyone's out to get me, main character type energy. It's aggressive, it's desperate, and it is particularly embarrassing. To think that... (laughs) Okay. To think that you're just some guy, some normal guy. Let's say you're an accountant. Let's say you work on a farm. Let's say you're at work in IT. Let's say you're a local stand-up comedian who does a podcast out of his fucking bedroom. Okay? Let's say that. And I'll chuck myself in there at the end as a sign of goodwill. Okay? To think that you have so many enemies out there that are actively plotting against you to the point where you have to send off a threat in your Instagram bio as a first line of defense. Oh no, dude, you got big problems. And guess what? They're not out there trying to get you. I reckon they're upstairs in that top paddock of yours, mate. How many of those voices are yours, my friend? Because you're starting to freak me out a bit. All right. 
So the threat is just unbelievable and probably the scariest one as far as like how unhinged that character is. Okay? But not to be outdone by the next legend. And this is possibly... Okay. <laughs> i got to stop making sweeping statements. This next one is scary as well. It's not a scripture-based bio and it's not a threat-based bio. It's a scripture-based threat. This is for our young soldiers out there with a bit of revelations in their bio, you know? Just the guy who's really fucking, really had enough and ready to see the whole thing go down, you know? It'll just be like, you know, Andy Raymond, 21, Coffs Harbour, and the earth shall burn as the Lord predicted, and those who turn their back on him shall be raped to death, and you're just like, oh my Lord, <laughs> I'm just adding this guy because we're in the same group assignment at uni, you know? I think he's going to sacrifice me to his God. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, my God. And I, uh, with this one as well, I swear to God, like, this is... The scripture-based threat is scary because it's it implies that they're going to take revenge for something that's that's already happened, you know? It's always like the, the energy of the scripture-based threat is very much like you're going to regret what you're doing. And it's like, fuck, what am I doing? You know? So the scripture-based threat, you know, that's your your typical school shooters, um, you know, your 28-year-olds who haven't rooted yet, uh, blokes blokes who live by choice below sea level. That, that's that's where you'll find your scripture-based threat. So, so that's a good one. This next one, I'll say not as scary as the previous three, but unsettling, unsettling nonetheless. These are people who have a serious Instagram bio. Okay, now, as I've said, I just don't understand what people are taking so seriously about this, about this little thing we call life, hey? Uh, and and <laughs> Okay, so the thing with this one is the serious bio. You know, this is the bloke who, you know, is wearing Ray-Ban sunnies and a, a Ralph Lauren polo in his profile picture. And it's like, you know, the quote is like, we are what we repeatedly do. Therefore, success is not a result, but a habit. You know, this sort of shit. And a few things really bother me with this. Firstly, no one is changing their life based on your Instagram bio, brother. Okay? No one, no one's life was headed for absolute ruin until they accidentally clicked on Joel Thompson's private Instagram account. You know? You're not turning any ships around at the end of the ocean, okay? And secondly, if you're going to have one of these bios, that's fine. Please just point to your business where you sell organic clothes all over the world or whatever crazy entrepreneurial bullshit you're running that would justify you having such a motivational quote. I mean... You better, you better be running a multinational corporation with a quote of this magnitude. If I find out that you work at Commonwealth Bank as a teller, or you're a chippy, or you're or you're just just a normal guy. Which, by the way, I got no qualms. I'm a normal guy, okay. But I'm I don't wake up in the morning and and look in the mirror and accidentally see Elon Musk's face, do I? No, no, I don't. So unless you are a multinational entrepreneur. You can just you can just fucking chuck a couple of emojis in that bio and, and get on with things, mate. Okay, because you're too intense, and you're honestly freaking me out. Okay, 
Now, this is the last one, and this is probably the most annoying, even though it doesn't seem like it. So this one, not as intense as the others, but possibly just as annoying. This is the one where people are trying to be funny, right? Which I'm in for, but it's like a pop culture thing that was like a moment in pop culture, you know, time and and space or whatever. So it'd be like, as an example, like someone, some absolute pelican, some absolute larrikin, some joke monster, you know? Some guy who just can't stop joking all the goddamn time. He'll have a bio like, just waiting for a mate, you know, or, or like an in-betweeners quote, like, oh, life completed it, mate, you know? Or like, you know, if, 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 if I'm not at the pub, I must be dead, like this sort of stuff, where it's like, yeah, it's a joke, but it's such, it's such a joke that literally the whole population has that it's like, you may as well put up a Tony Robbins quote at this point. You know, if you're going to put up like, uh, you know, those quotes where it's, it's like, oh, my bowling club has a drinking problem. You know, my drinking club has a bowling problem. It's like the equivalent of that where it's like, we get it, mate. You know, if, 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 if I'm not drinking beers with the lads, I'm drinking lads with the beers, you know? And it's like, all right, we get it. You're an absolute warrior, mate. You're a legend. You're never not on the bloody piss, huh? So those pop culture ones where it's just... It's just like, it's like a, a Hey Arnold quote or something. I just find it weird when people use mainstream culture. They use it as a vehicle to express how individual they are. You know? It's like when people get a, get like sponge, a SpongeBob tattoo. And it's like edgy and cool. But it's like literally everyone loves SpongeBob, dude. But, but it's, like a th- it's like an indie thing to them. You know? And I find, I find it pops up in bios a lot. That's probably that's the last one, probably not as scary, but yeah. So those are the different types of Instagram bios. Absolutely. The first four are a lot scarier than the fifth one, but I think I think we can all agree that these are genuine red flags. And these were just the five I came up with, but I know there's more types, so if, I'm willing to do, go around again on this because Instagram bios legitimately freak me out. So if you've got any more types of Instagram bios that are scary, send them through. But anyway... This week on the project, I'd just like to ever so briefly highlight, uh, you know, an Australian that has only come to light in the last sort of literally 12 hours, Andrew Redmayne, the goalkeeper for Australia, the grey wiggle himself, subbed on in the 120th minute against Peru purely for the penalty shootout, okay? Now, here's a few things I love about this bloke. Firstly... Traditionally, if we have a soccer player that's any good, they're out the back of Germany somewhere playing in the Bundesliga Div 2, playing in the Premier League, you know, playing in the Serie A. This guy, homegrown, played all his football at A-League clubs over the last 10 years. Okay, he's bounced around all of them, as any goalkeeper should. And, and I think it, it, is, it does make it a little bit more satisfying that this man, his talents are Australian born and bred. You know, that save, if, if that save was on the shelves at Woolies, you could put that little, that little yellow kangaroo with the green around it. Stick that on there. That's a homegrown save straight from our youth football academies to the world stage. Okay, so I love that. Secondly, obviously, I like anyone who's just a bit different. He's, so he jumps around in the goals. He's doing all this weird shit. And I think as well, this is an example of, 
you know, you what what is trendy in that sport is not always the thing to be done at that time. Because I swear to God, ten years ago, all the goalkeepers were doing this grey wiggle shit, jumping around, doing like the hands up in the air, moving side to side, and then for whatever reason, it went out of fashion with the penalties. And now I think it's a lot more. They know the you know this player is going to take these three types of penalties. He's going to go bottom left. His second choice is top right. And then his third choice, you know, he's going to blast one up the middle or something. You know, they they do so much research on the players. And so I think it's a lot more of that sort of stuff, premeditated tactics, rather than just doing handstands and calling the guy a cunt. Okay? But Andrew Redmayne has, has shown us that if it's not broken, you don't necessarily have to fix it. You know, this guy's just going nuts. One time in a previous game, I read he saved three penalties in a row. Okay, plus you've got the arrogance of of having this guy come on in the 120th minute. You know, there is a part of that where you think if they're bringing this guy on just for the pens, we got a specialist here and we're in a bit of trouble. Okay, and I guarantee Peru hadn't done too much research on uh, our second choice keeper who'd never played overseas before. Also, I love when you see someone have their moment. Like, you know, maybe we go to the World Cup, maybe Redmayne makes an even better save at the World Cup to get us into, like, the round of 16. I hope so. But I I would bet that we just saw a man have his, like, Death Star moment where, like, that's it. That's the sickest thing that man will ever do. That's, like, like something 40 years from now, blokes like me are going to be coming up to him being like, dude, you're Andrew Redmayne. That save was fucking nuts. And he'll be going, thanks so much, I appreciate that. You know what I mean? Like, that was his thing. And it was so fucking awesome. And it was for this nation. Yeah, so congratulations, dude. Congratulations. And apparently that face he made after they won was like the face he makes to, like, make his baby child smile or something or, like, make his, like, two-year-old daughter laugh. So that's cute as shit as well. Well, we love that. So Andrew Redmayne... Welcome to the project where we highlight Aussie talent each and every week. And we got another Australian legend getting it done on the world stage. So fucking fantastic. That is the podcast for this week. I'm on tour this weekend. I'm in Perth, Adelaide and Canberra. You never have to hear me say it again. Uh, Perth and Adelaide, there's like 10 tickets left to each show. Canberra is about half full. Come through, dude. June 17, 18, 19, Perth, Adelaide, Canberra. Then I'm doing encore shows in Sydney, June 24, Melbourne, July 1st. Come on through, dude. Other than that, thanks for listening. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now, way too long.